Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. Hey, John. Hey, Jason. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great. You're having a lot of fun staring at the waveforms on the computer. <laughs> Look at us. Look at our voices. They make things. Oh, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> so weird. You can tell we have no transition here. Previously on the Avenging Hour, the demon hordes of Surtur battled on the frozen tundra of Earth, and we witnessed our first coast-to-coast Avengers team up as both groups battled Maelstrom into non-existence. And now, episode 116. Before we get started with the Avengers issues, we need to talk about some Captain America. Oh my god, we gotta do something again with somebody else? Right? Captain America's issue issues 295 to 301 was a huge, big old Captain America storyline. I was wondering why Captain America just shows up here. Yeah, yeah. So we mentioned in issues 249 and 250 of the Avengers, we didn't talk about it because it wasn't that important, but they mentioned in those issues that, hey, where's Captain America? Anybody seen him? Nope. Okay. Off to other things. They don't seem too concerned about it, but they mention it. So what we do is we find out that in James DeMattis and Paul Neary are current are the current creative team at this point in time on Captain America's book. And they do this big long plot line where the Red Skull kidnaps Captain America. Uh, the Red Skull is dying. He has aged back to his real age of like 80 years old. I thought you were gonna say he has AIDS. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> no. When did that happen? So basically the Red Skull has his sisters of sin do all this stuff to Captain America's friends and, and family and blah, 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 and then kidnap Captain America, and they inject him with something, so Captain America also ages up to, like, 80 years old. Now we have an 80-year-old Red Skull in Captain America, and... Um, and they're going to fight it out. It's the greatest fight ever. Right? That's exactly what my notes say. The Red Skull injects them both with a poison that will kill them both in an hour. Get back here, you whippersnapper. And then the two 80-year-olds wail on each other. Uh, Cap wins. The poison kills the Red Skull. The Black Crow comes and purges the poison out of Cap's system. The Black Crows were there? (laughs) (laughs) And that's a character that we will probably never talk about. I hope not. And then uh, the Avengers and Dr. Pym arrive. They rescue Cap. Did he suck the poison out of him? they, um, They bring him back to his original age. So that's what we have. That we have, seems like total plausible. Yeah. Well, it's comics. I mean, all the time, I'm constantly changing ages. So Captain America has just been through a, a, a an ordeal, which is important for the, the first scene in this issue. We're going to start with Avengers number 251, which is from January of 1985. Ooh. We're in 1985. Can you believe it? I'm right in the middle of Reagan era. All right, here we go. It is by Roger Stern and Bob Hall, our friend from the West Coast Avengers. We've got a new artist. Are you going to talk about him? We've talked about <laughs> I know, and he's been called, on the title before. It's called Decepti- no. Decepticons? Decepticons, no. It's called Deceptions. Captain America is back, I think. He's jumping around some room, dodging laser bolts and axes and bears. Oh my. But this is the Sentinel of Liberty, and he is not impressed by these devices, easily dodging and destroying his automatic attackers. Suddenly, he's grabbed from behind, and this isn't Saturday night, and it isn't some kid in a Bucky costume. (laughs) This is a robot. Cap expertly flips the robot on his back, so it is sort of like Saturday night with a kid in the Bucky costume, and then dives through the hole in the wall the robot made. That's totally like Bucky. (laughs) (laughs) On the other side of the hole, he's confronted by the Avengers. I thought you were going to say something else. (laughs) Cap is back. Remember what I literally just mentioned about Cap being old and then young again? Well, the Avengers wanted to make sure that he was back in true fighting form. Cap thinks it wasn't a true test since anyone can outthink a robot, but then the robot reveals himself as Hercules, who is harder to outthink than a robot? No. If I were the Vision, I would slap both Cap and Hercules for offending him. Cap is concerned that the team now has <gasps> seven members instead of six, but Vision tells him not to worry his pretty little head about it, so Cap heads to lunch. 
Star Fox tries to lunch with the wasp, but she's going on vacation and has to do her hair and pack and get away from you immediately and pack. Hercules offers to fill in for her and even tries to get others to come, but the others wisely wish to spend as little time with Hercules as they can, and the team goes their separate ways. The captains, America and Marvel, chat on their way out of the mansion, wondering if the vision might be cracking under the strain of chairman sheen's ship. What? Chair machine ship. It's really hard to do. Chair robot ship. Mm. They both think he's acting weird, but decide to just keep an eye on things for now. The Vision is having a secret powwow with Isaac, where we find his newest invention, the Encephalotron Command Chair, which will give the Vision command over all computing systems on Earth. Mm. Yes, this is apparently the big plan the Vision has been hinting at. When he was first hooked up to Isaac, he was in touch with all the computers on the planet, and he realized he could use this ability to eliminate the chaos that grips our fragile world. Also, this way he would never be helpless again, like he was when he was stuck in the tube and paralyzed. The Vision bemoans all the chaos in the team of late, and the fact that he, that he can't grasp the power he needs in the physical world, so maybe he will have to use the chair and grasp it in the digital world. But the synthesoid is hesitant. Cut to Tavern on the Green, apparently the only restaurant in New York that Marvel has photo references for. <laughs> Hercules and Star Fox somehow con the Scarlet Witch into coming to lunch with them. Star Fox whines that the Wasp is upset. Wanda explains that it's because Star Fox is creepy and then wonders why her husband is also creepy. Hercules, a demigod who's hundreds of years old and spends more time socializing than even the Wasp, doesn't know what quiche is. OMG, is this going to be one of those issues where nothing happens? Was the cap fighting stunulators the only action we're going to get? Oh, no, no, no. The next day at the Caribbean resort of Utopia Key where the Wasp is vacationing, she runs into her old friend, Tinky Wiseman, who's dating Saint Nick back when he was still a ginger, before his hair and beard turned white. The Wasp quickly bumps into a more eligible bachelor named Paul Denning, and the two of them hit it off, so she spends her entire vacation with him, which is certainly something people do, right? The vacation goes by quickly, though, and soon it's almost over, with a last night party on board Santa's yacht. Meanwhile, back at the mansion, Vision is dreaming. I hate dreams in popular entertainment. No one's dream is interesting for more than one sentence to anyone else but them. We don't need three pages of it. Basically, Vision is worried that he's not human enough and he wants everyone to like him. Ugh. Back to the Wasp, who's ready to head to the yacht party when she gets a note from Paul that he's feeling ill and can't go. She goes to see how he's doing and finds evidence in his room that makes her think he's a hitman out to kill Santa. The Wasp zips over to the yacht where Santa, criminally known as Baron Brimstone, both because he is a criminal and that name is a crime, is below decks, teleporting a bunch of robbers off the yacht to a nearby casino where he plans to rob it. Breaking into the vault, the baddies are greeted by Paladin, mercenary extraordinaire who easily mops up the flunkies, while the Wasp, who had hidden away in the Baron's cloak, helps Paladin defeat their boss. The work done, we find, surprising no one, that Paladin is Paul. He and the Wasp go back to his suite for a romantic dinner, dancing, and probably lots of sex. The End. Our roll call this issue is Captain America, Vision, Wasp, Hercules, Star Fox, Captain Marvel, and Scarlet Witch. We also see dream images of Hulk, Thor, and Iron Man, and we meet Paladin. I refuse to talk about Baron Brimstone. You're going to talk about Tinky Wiseman? No. Uh, we will talk about Paladin. Baron, Bris Baron Brimstone, let's be clear, does not deserve a write-up. He's a machine man villain, for the love of God, who's only been a handful of comics. He's basically someone who uses technology to make himself seem like a magician. Why he doesn't just use technology to seem like someone who uses technology is beyond me. 
But Paladin first appeared in Daredevil number 150, that was in January of 1978. He is a mysterious mercenary and private investigator who'll do anything for a fee. Sometimes he's portrayed as a decent, like in this issue, as a decent all-around guy that likes to help, and sometimes he's portrayed as a real asshole. It really depends on who's writing him. His, I think his personality varies too wildly. He, is sl- he has slightly superhuman physical attributes. He's barely super strong. He's um, a great hand-to-hand fighter. He's a good marksman. He's an actor. And he wears a bulletproof costume with infrared goggles and carries a stun gun. I've always liked Paladin. What say you? I say, what is the title of this? Deceptions? Deceptions. Why does it say Inner Visions on the cover? Are you going to go back to this? Where you're always worried about the cover title and the the issue title? Plus the Stevie Wonder album was much better. (laughs) I'm gonna. I'm like. Th- I'm looking at this cover, which is most of the Avengers standing on floating rocks, while the vision stand, while a human vision stands back to back with a really robotic vision. And your concern is the name on the cover. That is one panel from the dream sequence that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. Yeah, and they put that on the cover of the comic. Remember how we were talking a while back about how like today's covers have nothing to do with the comics? Yeah. Yeah. I was one of my notes was it takes a lot of nerve to put Captain America through a test because I had no idea what had happened in his own title, so That's we can disregard that. All right, we won't talk about Moving it. Moving on. Why is Hercules dressed up as a robot? What does that prove? Yeah. Why couldn't it have just been Hercules? Yeah, right? Would Captain America have been like, oh, Hercules, let's talk. I mean, why is it a big deal? They, they're trying to make they it... dressed him up as a robot. That's so stupid. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, we're, we're, we're meant to... In the beginning of the issue, we don't know what's going on, so it's meant to be like a big secret. Right, like but Captain America's breaking into some place or something. It's a secret to us. It's not a secret to Captain America. He knows he's in Avengers Mansion. He knows the Avengers are putting him through his paces. This is another time where the Maria Stark Foundation is not checking the invoices because they... They had to have that robot suit tailored to Hercules. Exactly. Well, that was a waste of money. Why didn't they just have Hercules wearing like a mask, like like a, a luchador mask or something? Like no one. Uh, I mean, been... Caps fought a bunch of uh, dudes in their gym uh, gym socks and, and dress shoes. <laughs> Actually, what would have been great is if they'd had Hercules in like a store bought Halloween costume. They had like the Star Wars license. He could have been dressed up as a C three PO with one of the masks <laughs> with a rubber band on his face, and that would have been great He's and much up. more cost effective. He's just dressed up as Baron Brimstone. <laughs> Oh, there is no Baron Brimstone costume. Cap just wanted to punch him. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. I like that uh, Star Fox's reaction when Hercules says he's going to come to lunch with them. He's like, wonderful. Yeah, it's the reaction all of us would have if Hercules wanted to come to lunch with us. And I like that Hercules is like, you should all come. And they're all like, no, sorry, busy. Except for Wanda, who's apparently a moron. You, You mentioned that the two captains have a conversation, which I... Was probably a conversation that at least one of them should have had at least a dozen issues ago. Right. Hey, did you notice that Vision's been acting weird for the last three years? <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much, Anonymous. Well, you weren't Anonymous, but thank you so much, Letter Writer. Because they have this conversation, Cam's on his motorcycle, and the Captain Marvel is flying along beside him. And it made me think, how can she fly alongside him as light when he's on a motorcycle? Shouldn't yeah. she go flying right past him? Thank you, Letter Writer. I've never thought that before. Plus, in that one panel, it looks like she's flying out of his mouth. <laughs> his his smiles are that are that blinding. Bling. Um, three pages of that Vision Isaac conversation is way too much. But now we know the Vision's plan. Yeah, but like either do it or don't. Sit down in the chair and do the thing, or do, like why? Why so much talking about whether he's going to sit down in this hair dryer chair? I was just going to say he says it's an acephalotron, but I'm pretty sure he went to the local salon and just stole one of their hair dryers. I don't know what that is? Isaac looks more and more like Ultron every time we see him. Oh, that would have been a great plot twist. Sadly, right? spoiler alert, it's not. But it would have been a great plot twist. We found out this entire time it was Ultron. Why did they not? I need to call Roger Stern in 1985 immediately. <laughs> What's wrong with you? We've got this great idea. 
Oh, who the hell named their daughter Tinky? <laughs> I have to assume that's a nickname. Is that short for something? Tinkerella? Tink- Tinkerbell? <laughs> Tinkerfer? Am I wrong in that I feel like Hercules should know what quiche is? That just seems so odd to me. It's French, though. He's not French. Yeah, but he's all over the world. If it was Baklava, he would know what that was. <laughs> I just... I mean, it's not... Anyway, it's not like some sort of crazy, unusual food, is it? I don't think so. Maybe back in 1985 it was. I think that's when quiche was just starting to make its comeback. Well, maybe. This side plot... With Paladin and Baron Brimstone. And Captain Marvel uh, moonlighting as a waitress at this Caribbean. This is all ridiculous and pointless, and it doesn't help us understand or care about either of these characters, and why is any of this in here? Well, Paladin... We could have had at least four more pages of Vision deciding if he wanted to sit in that chair or not. <laughs> is that what you wanted? <laughs> uh, Pal- like, I don't get, like, last time Wasp and... and, and Pym had left to go on vacation. We didn't follow them to find out what they were doing. Well, they didn't have an adventure against Baron Brimstone, or I'm sure he would have. Well, pa- okay, so Paladin will be back. So this does sure, introduce Paladin. But it's not like he's going to become a member or anything. I kind of feel like for a while, Roger Stern had plans for Paladin that just never happened. I guess. I hope he didn't have plans for Baron Brimstone. <laughs> I, don't I was too. reading this comic going, who is this guy? I I'm don't... pretty sure he said, I need a supervillain, but he has to be able to be beaten by the Wasp and Paladin. <laughs> And there's not really very many. It's him or the owl. Is there a dead tree somewhere that we could use? <laughs> Pile of leaves, maybe? Really what, evil leaves? What gets me is, is Tinky's obviously a... Idiot? It's obviously a gold-digging moron <laughs> who's with Baron Primson only because she thinks he has money. But I, I, I don't understand. I get that Paul Denning is, you know, as attractive as any man in these comic books is. He's supposed to be attractive. But... The idea that the wasp runs into him because she drops her hat and decides... Classic move, Paul. I'm going to spend the rest of my vacation having sex with this man and hanging out on the beach seemed really weird to me. Does that happen? I don't know. When you're on vacation with your wife, do you guys run into someone on the beach? I mean, when I go on vacation with Brad, I mean, we've tried before to run into people. (laughs) I usually just try to avoid people. It just seemed really weird to me. This just seems like the same scene that she went on that date with Tony Stark and they just put a different head on the body. (laughs) I think it is. All the same things happen. Now that you mention it. So Vision can have dreams? He is the data of the Avengers. Why? Well, Dr. Soon gave him a memory program when he created him. (laughs) Is he just on the holodeck pretending that he's having a dream? (laughs) I don't don't know. It's just, I mean, I really, I'm not, I do not like dream sequences. I think they're always a waste of time. Yeah, granted, after the first two or three panels, like, they could have summed that a whole lot. Like, oh, he's having problems, like, coping with this whole thing, whether I'm a man or a robot or moving on. Yeah. Why did this go over three pages? The best part is the last panel where the Scarlet Witch, because in the dream he has a human face, and the last panel the Scarlet Witch pulls off his face to reveal this, like, melting robot face behind it, and it's kind of creepy. Oh, I thought your favorite panel was that one in the middle and the bottom there where it looks like he's straining really hard to poop. (laughs) Yeah. Do do androids poop? <laughs> Probably. I mean, he's fully functional, theoretically. So. He's just dreaming about pooping. And then uh, we go back to Wasp, and Wasp knocks on Paul's door. Or there's the note on the door saying he's sick. So Wasp takes it upon herself to break into his room, basically. Well, yeah, she's like, the, he, he said he was sick. Maybe he's just sleeping. But what if he's in no condition to answer? Because he contracted, what, typhoid on the island and is dying in the last... The last, he's got the Black Plague in, she in 24 gave, hours? She gave him super herpes. I don't understand. So she knocks on the door and he doesn't answer. She's like, well, I'll just shrink down to wasp size and then I'll steal everything from him. Like, why would she go into his room? Who does that? Yeah, it seemed, it's, I mean, I know they've been apparently having sex for the past week or whatever, but it seemed a little, a little familiar of her. And then she just gets angry. She shows Tinkia. Oh my God, that woman showed up out of nowhere. It's like she was a little wasp, and now she's a full-grown person. Don't you guys know who the wasp is? I know, it's not right? like she's hiding her identity. I know, right? She's one of the. She's been a superhero longer than almost anybody else in the Marvel Universe. What? 
I wrote that I don't understand Baron Brimstone's powers because he keeps talking about mystic things, but evidently he has electronic things, and please go away now. Yeah. And Wasp has no idea who Paladin really is. He lied about his name, and she still wants to sleep with him after all that. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. You go, Jan. You're a desperate. So did, is there, are, are magic users cool in the Marvel Universe? Is everybody like, oh, I want to be the next Doctor Strange? Is that why? Maybe Baron he... Brimstone's like, oh, no, I use magic. I'm confused because he has this cloak on, but that, and he seemed like huge. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he just got this cloak as like a moo moo, like he's just a, <laughs> a fat guy. He wants to cover it up. And then he's like, well, I have this cloak on, so maybe I'll just call myself a baron. But there's a panel there where the cloak comes away and he's just like a normal sized person. And I'm confused. Do you think he does this still? Like he's walking around with his cell phone and like, oh, nice, nice iPhone 6. And he's like, oh, no, it is not an iPhone 6. <laughs> it is, is my magic wand. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, shut up, dude. <laughs> Bullpen bulletins. Uh, Jim Shooter talks about meeting Colleen Doran, creator of the long-running comic series A Distant Soil, and how she pointed out how many good-looking guys were on Marvel's staff. Uh, he says that she suggested they run a Marvel Hunk of the Month picture. He also mentioned that she wanted them to run a win-a-date contest. I don't want to get into like really deep and heavy topics on our podcast here. Why not? That's what we're here for. And there is a high probability that this was all done in fun, if it's even true, and Jim Shooter didn't just, you know, embellish it. But I find it weird that Colleen has a very public history of dealing with sexual harassment and stalking, and maybe this isn't the best thing for him to put in the column. Yeah, I think it's odd. And, and obviously it was a slightly more innocent time back then, but I'd be willing to bet that he embellished the conversation, or she said it uh, said it jokingly, yeah. uh, or was drunk. And he or... turned it into this like whole thing, and then... And, and, they were... and now I'm looking at this going wow did colleen Durant have problems because of jim shooter doing this like oh, that's interesting <laughs> they do he does run a picture of marvel's hunk of the month the only one i think they ever run because colleen Durant was lying <laughs> right it's not a bunch of hot guys working at marvel they picked john ramita jr who is i mean he's not unattractive but i don't know that i would say hunk of the month i guess it he's, depends. he's 1985 eric estrada attractive <laughs> <laughs> he almost has an afro he also jim shooter also tells us that secret wars is the most popular comic series in the last quarter century okay good for you i guess that could be true i was very excited about that i don't know why it had toys uh i have nothing else about the bullpen bulletins do you nope letters page mm, yeah. all right there's really nothing interesting here so Dwayne tremaine <laughs> the rhyming man of south beloy illinois <laughs> oh sorry Dwayne tremaine i just love your name and that you come from south south beloy illinois he says captain marvel is the first black woman and the second comics character he's ever loved and i find both of those statements disturbing on a large level um, wait does he mean it's the first black woman he's ever loved the first black woman he's ever loved or did he just mean that it's the first or the second comic characters it's the... those are separate he's con she's the first black woman he's ever loved and the second comics character oh, he's yeah, ever i guess loved. that would be yeah so i'm concerned on both fronts first of all i'm not sure why i had no idea what Dwayne tremaine's race is but it doesn't matter it really I mean, it, it's bad either way i think yeah it's <laughs> no matter what i'm not sure why you're keeping track and you really shouldn't love any comics characters because they are not real. That's weird. And I want to know who the first one is now. I kind of am curious as well. He also mentions in his letter that he's unemployed. and Because <laughs> he's spending all his time fantasizing about comic book characters. The, 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 the answer to his letter says, We hope you find that job you want real soon, Dwayne. And it's interesting because he never actually said he wanted a job. <laughs> I feel like this letter you can hand to a psychologist and give them work for like three weeks. I don't have any other letters. You don't either? No. The question of the month is, what is your childhood nickname? Did you have one? My grandfather would, eventually, would, would occasionally call me Meatball. 
Really? Yeah, I don't know where it came from because I didn't particularly eat a lot of meatballs and I was a really tiny kid. But, I mean, that was only my grandfather. Nobody else called me that. I, I always wanted a nickname when I was in school, but I never got one. Yeah, I never... Well, I mean, your name's pretty short as it is. It's kind of a... I, the only nickname I ever had was just a shortened version of my name, like they would call me Jace, but... I have a nickname now. Really? My niece and nephew call me Uncle Danger because... Because you told them to. <laughs> yeah, well, when, when I was... When they were younger, uh, I always told them that my middle name was Danger and they call it... They call me Uncle Danger and they call Brad Uncle Bad because I started saying that he was always bad. Hmm. So Uncle Bad and Uncle Danger. I yeah. like that nickname, I Uncle Danger. I, I'm, I probably have many, many nicknames, but they've never been said to my face. Uh, Roger Stern says his was Louie. And I don't know why. I don't either. Bob Halls was Mr. Hall. I think he, he's our new comedian. <laughs> Joe Sinnott says Little Caveman. Wow. I really am curious where that one came from. Jim Novak says Spike. Christy Scheel says Gringa. Like a female gringo? I think so. Howard Mackey says very few living people know the answer to that question. Okay. Great. Hey, welcome aboard, Howard Mackey. Yeah. Mark Grunwald says, Marcus. I don't know. And Jim Shooter says, Jim. Does anyone really have a favorite nickname? (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, Rue. MVP this issue. I gave it to Captain Marvel for wanting to do something about Vision. I gave it to the Wasp for having a plot line. Uh, Useless character. Uh, Scarlet Witch. Yes. You know your husband's acting weird. (laughs) Now he's having nightmares. You could at least call him the Maytag repairman and have him come and take a look at him. That guy's always available. Best quote taken out of context? I never meant to keep my pleasure power a secret. It's not really out of context. (laughs) I have one. Do I take you on one at a time or all at once? Hey, I didn't see that. Was uh, that when Captain Marvel was at the end and the Avengers were there and he was... Oh, no, that was Captain America when he when he jumped through the hole. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, found yeah. the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, ha-ha. Yeah, that's it. Avengers level threat. No. Obviously, Baron Brimstone is the biggest threat they've ever faced. Uh, final grade. I gave it a C-. It is boring. The dream sequence, uh, him talking to Isaac, boring, boring, boring. There's no real reason for this wasp bit, and there's way too much talking in this issue. I gave it a C for many of the same reasons. <laughs> All righty, Rue. Not happy. I am not. As usual. Moving on. Issue 252 from February of 1985. This one is by Roger Stern and Bob Holligan, and it is called Deciding Factor. After last issue's disorienting mixed messages, let's try to get back to the plot of The Vision acting strangely by starting the issue with a viewing of Doc Sampson's highlight reel. That ought to straighten things out. The Vision has called the green-haired psychologist to Avengers Mansion to offer him a job as chairman of a Midwestern branch of the team based in Chicago. Doc Samson turns him down about a half dozen times before they're finally interrupted by Star Fox waving a newspaper around and looking for an explanation to the anti-mutant sentiment gripping the country. Samson gives a pretty heavy-handed speech about tolerance, and as he exits the building, we swing over to Captain America and Scarlet Witch, having tea on the back patio. Cap is sketching Wanda as she goes on and on about mutants and such. Why did this become our dominant topic all of a sudden? Wanda then starts talking about Vision's moods, and Star Fox wanders over to add that Vision snatched the newspaper from him and took off upstairs. Cap goes to investigate. He and Vision have a conversation about doing the most good, even if it means hurting yourself in the process. Without knowing what he's talking about, Cap basically provides Vision the go-ahead to give up his own existence to save the planet, and then Wanda bursts in to let everyone know that someone burned their house down in Jersey. And that seals it. Vision has had enough. The next morning, Vision mysteriously orders everyone away from the mansion. He sends most of the team out to the desert to help the army with an old Thanos base they discovered. He has Captain Marvel jet off about five billion miles to investigate some arbitrary signals coming out of Thanos' old ship. He even has Jarvis go to the beach with his mother. And now no one is around to stop him from sitting down in that glorified hair salon dryer and taking over the world. We follow the team out to the desert where the army is trying to unlock some of Thanos' secrets to use as possible weapons. 
Some engineers are fiddling with a console when Star Fox freaks out. He explains that they've just activated some sort of transporter, and if he can't turn it off, there's no telling what will show up. And uh-oh, too late. Two shapes coalesce inside the transporter, and almost immediately, the Blood Brothers bounce out and start swinging. These oversized alien gorillas make quick work of both Hercules and Captain America, but Star Fox and Scarlet Witch are able to keep them occupied long enough for the others to recover. As the fight wages on, we whisk back to Avengers Mansion to find good old Dane Whitman hopping out of a taxi and approaching the door. He tries his security card but is harshly denied, grabbed by the metallic arms of the system, and dragged into the mansion with a zapped breet slam. We see Captain Marvel zipping past Jupiter, and we return to the battle at the desert base where Hercules knocks out the Blood Brothers and loses his pants. This is all awkward and pointless, but slightly entertaining nonetheless. While Cap argues with Colonel Farnham about how dumb it was for his men to start pushing random buttons, we return to the mansion to find Dane Whitman encased in one of those ubiquitous containment tubes and a creepy holographic head of vision, eerily similar to those projections from Isaac, telling him that the vision must save humanity from itself. To be continued. Our roll call is Visions, Star Fox, Scarlet Witch, Captain America, Hercules, and Captain Marvel. We see Jarvis, Dane Whitman, Doc Sampson, and a Colonel Farnham, and our villains are the Blood Brothers. Uh, let's see. Colonel Farnham has a speaking role, but is utterly unimportant. I'm not sure why you named him. <laughs> he spoke. We, we know Jarvis and Dane Whitman. Uh, Whitman, also known as the Black Knight, has been hanging out in Doctor Strange's comic lately, trying to fight off the curse of the Ebony Blade and get back into fighting shape to rejoin the Avengers. Yeah, the last time we saw him was in those two that those two issue fill-ins that uh steven grant did where the avengers went to avalon oh right and if you remember that ended and with, they fixed his statue yes his body had been destroyed but uh Amergen managed to give him a new body <laughs> why do you remember that <laughs> and he was back he was back uh but if you remember he was like they're like hawkeye was like we got to get him to rejoin the team and captain america's like hang on there little buddy he might need some time to you know get reacquainted and that's what he's been doing as as he's been in the doctor strange title he was having trouble with the ebony blade the curse of the ebony blade was affecting him he managed to get doctor strange help doctor strange helped him cure that and so he took a cruise across the ocean they were in england rather than taking a plane like a normal person they took a boat across the ocean fought umar and some water elementals and then split up when they got to new york and he's back, baby. He's back. Back to the team. Where he'll be for, for quite a while now. We mentioned Doc Sampson during our coverage of the West Coast Avengers Limited series. He was one of the floating heads on the cover that I thought would make a better team member. Uh, Doc Sampson was created by Roy Thomas and Herb Trimp and first appeared in Incredible Hulk 141 in July of 1971. He is Leonard Skivorsky Jr. And he has a PhD in psychology. He legally changed his name to Samson after the nickname his mother gave him because of his long hair. Aww. Uh, Samson gained his powers after helping to cure Betty Ross, who had been transformed into crystalline form after a blood transfusion with the Sandman. The machine he helped create sucked psionic gamma energy off Bruce Banner, and then Samson zapped himself with it for some reason, which gave him green hair uh, and superhuman strength. As we're told, he's about 70% as strong as the Hulk and is one of the 10 strongest mortals on Earth. Which is weird. He never seems that strong. I mean, I love Doc Samson. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. But he really doesn't. When you see him, he rarely, he pretty much gets his butt kicked most of the time. He's just a dude. Just a dude like, with a green ponytail. He's like green Fabio. <laughs> uh, that leaves us with the Blood Brothers, who are twin ape-like aliens who used to work for Thanos. Uh, they first appeared in February 1973. In Iron Man number 55, along with Thanos, Drax, Isaac, Mentor, Kronos, and Star Fox, uh, the brothers had some sort of symbiotic relationship that affected their powers. I guess the, they're the, like the Corsican brothers. <laughs> the closer they are together, the stronger yes. they are. Uh, and they possess superhuman strength, speed, stamina, blah, blah, blah. They're basically just two brutes. They're also, oddly enough, vampiric, 
But it, yeah, they can they they have fangs and will occasionally drain blood. But it's never been determined if that makes them stronger. If they have to do it to survive, if it's just a fun party trick. Is that why they're called the Blood Brothers? Yes, it's stupid. Doesn't make any sense. Yes, that's all I got for new characters. What, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, apparently, Doc Samson as a psychiatrist is also considered a scientist because when we see him in Avengers Mansion, he's smoking a pipe. Who knew? Are there patches on that elbow? There are not. I don't well, believe. Well, then he's not a full scientist. <laughs> I like that they. The I didn't co- even notice he was smoking a pipe. How did I miss that? I love that the colors can't remember his hair is green. (laughs) The one defining characteristic of Doc Samson is is that his hair is green and his hair is colored blonde in three panels. It's like every other page. Maybe it's just the light hitting it. I guess. And it's also, so Vision wanted to open up a Midwest Avengers branch. I don't know what you would have called that. Great Lakes Avengers or, I don't know, but no, I don't know what you would have. The Detroit Avengers. Central Avengers. Avengers Central. Central or Mountain Time Avengers. Who would you have put on that team? What losers would you have picked for a... Well, I guess we would have taken the people that were left on the cover from the West Coast Avengers. It would have been... Uh, Puck and Cyclops? No, no, no. It would have been It would have been uh, Samson and Quicksilver and Ant-Man and Red Wolf and whoever that chick was. You know, that actually would be a really cool... Because you made fun of Red Wolf. But in a team with a Doc Samson and Quicksilver and... Ant-Man. Ant-Man, you have power. So you can have one useless character, one Mockingbird if you will, on the team. <laughs> and, and that would be which one of them? Red Wolf. Oh, right, right. I thought you'd probably also, you'd, you'd, draw, you'd drag Dr. Pym in since he's in the Midwest as well. He wouldn't be adventuring, but he'd be you like know, From the cover, I would have put Namor on the team just because it would have been funny to have him in the Midwest. <laughs> Dude, where's the water? Go dunk, go dunk yourself in the Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, because there's, there's not really a lot of Midwest heroes. So you have, to, you have to take the heroes that have no lives and are willing to go anywhere. It's too bad Don Blake's dead because he was in Chicago, right? Right? Oh my gosh, could you imagine if they got Thor in their team? And everybody's like, how did you get Thor? <laughs> oh, I like, so the Vision asks Captain America. You mentioned that they have this discussion where the Vision's basically, without saying, Captain America, should I get rid of my physical body and take over the world through computers? <laughs> Rather than asking that, he does a, a, a roundabout way of asking it. And I like the fact that Captain America says, you know, basically what Vision says, if you can make the world a paradise, but you'd have to give up, you could never enjoy it yourself. Would you do it? And you'd expect Captain America to be like, hell yes, Vision, because I'm Captain America. And I like the fact that Cap is like, I really don't know. Because I, I, I feel like this is, he says, you know, until I'm in that situation, I don't know if I could make that choice. And I feel like this is something that so many people, you know, don't think about, that we often like to second guess the decisions other people make. But unless you're in that situation... Unless you're a machine that could take over all the computers <laughs> well, of the world, I don't how mean, could you answer that question? I didn't mean that situation. But, you know, some people will be like, well, you should have said this, or you should have done that, or if someone came into my house, I'd blow their head off with my, with my sure, gun, sure. or whatever. But I don't think unless you're in the situation, you really know how you'd react. So I like the fact that this book recognized that as well, recognizes that as well. So we saw the we do see the vision of the skull, which is house burned down. This is the house that they had in their four issue limited series that we briefly mentioned a few a few episodes ago. It's a little heavy handed uh, as a plot about you think about all of a sudden we're talking about mutants again about how people you know about prejudice and. All I know is reading this now in 2017, I'm glad that we don't have these kind of problems anymore. This kind of this kind of hatred, that this kind of violence is not. It's nice that we can all just get along without really, you know, having to think about it or bring it up. Yeah, I think it's it's wonderful. I wasn't sure who they were mad about. Was it were they mad about the mutant or the robot that lived next door? Yeah, Scarlet Witch and Vision give you a lot of reasons to dislike them. Jarvis's outfit when he goes out for the day with his mother, I have no words. I don't know why he's dressed like that. I don't either. He's wearing. Does his mom have dementia and he's trying to like remind her what he looked like when he was eight? He's wearing short pants with a bow tie and a jacket and knee-high socks. He looks like 
half butler, half UPS driver. <laughs> and I think loafers? It is. And a newsboy cap in his hand, doesn't he? It, yes. Maybe he's going to go audition for Newsies. He's telling the vision that he's going to his, because he doesn't want to be laughed at, but he's going to meet up with the artful Dodger. Uh, yeah, that'll be definitely going on the Instagram. I have nothing else. You? No. Bull Pen Boltons. Let's see. Uh, Shooter talks about the official Marvel mm-hmm. Comics tryout book. And holding a contest to find the best new penciler, inker, scripter, letterer, colorist, and plotter. Uh, and I think that we, the, as far as I know, they only ever hired one person out of that, and mm. that was Mark Bagley. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I understand because that's where he well, came that was from. a good hire. Yeah, it was a great hire. They <laughs> did they did well for themselves in that one. But as far as I know, I don't know anybody else that got hired from the from the official Marvel uh, Comics tryout book. Let me make sure that I'm. I don't want to be saying this and find out that I'm wrong, and then I look like a big jerk head. How could you even look that up? Oh, you're just gonna look up Mark Bagley. Yep, there it is. Create yeah, the Marvel, Marvel trial book. book. Yeah. Wait, <clears> click <throat> on the Marvel trial book. I want to see if it tells us. Oh, there's the people who want. Oh, Doug Hazelwood was the best inker. I don't. Oh, and Robin Riggs. He's a. Uh, I think he's mostly an inker now, but he still works in the comics industry. He was that one as letterer. Doug Hazelwood inked uh, Scott Collins' run on Flash. He inked Flash. He inked a lot of Superboy. A lot of he looks like he. Well, no, he worked in the eighties on Secret Six. Wait, and I'm Birds confused. Of Prey. He he got a job from the Marvel tryout book and then worked for DC. <laughs> looks like <laughs> just for DC, pretty much. So Shooter says that we're going to hire a penciler, inker, scripter, letterer, colorist, and plotter. That didn't work out well, did it? Not so much. Oh, the plotter and scripter was the same person. Yeah. But, you know, again, I think that the, the hire of Mark Bagley was probably enough for them. Is it Bagley or Bagley? I'm not sure. I don't know. It looks like Bagley. Uh, but that's probably enough for them that it was still worth it. Sure. He put in a lot of work. He's amazing. I, I don't know if he ever draws the Avengers. I, he probably does. He draws everything. But, you know, just for the record, Mark Bagley, I like his, I like his pencils. They're, they're good, and he, he's a good storyteller, and he's so fast. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't he do like 150 issues of Ultimate Spider-Man in like three weeks? <laughs> yes, yes, he really did. Yeah, he was, when he's on a book, man, you don't get a lot of fill-ins, because you don't need a lot of fill-ins. You're like, Bendis, I did like 20 more scripts for you, are you? Yeah. We're all caught up now. Uh, let's see. We learned that Jim Owsley has been promoted to editor of the Spider-Man titles. Uh, Danny Fingeroth, the former editor, has decided to become a writer. Uh, the hype box mentions Marvel team-up number 150, the last issue of the run. Uh, this will soon be replaced by the Web of Spider-Man series. Yep. Which was really cool when it first was introduced and quickly became the worst Spider-Man <laughs> title of them all. That is very true. Thank you, Alex Saviak. <laughs> the most easily forgettable. Yeah. That's all I got. Letters page. Again, nothing interesting on my end. Uh, I will say one of the letters here gives us two theories on how Captain Marvel can fly at less than sublight speeds. Yep. Uh, the one, they say that she may be producing a magnetic field around her to inhibit her speed. Don't know what that means. Sure, it sounds sciencey. Uh, <laughs> sounds and, Marvel sciencey. Uh, and the other one is that she's using her energy in a manner similar to retro rockets to decelerate. I don't think that makes any sense. But so whatever. she's going forward and backwards at the same time? I guess. It's D- David Allen Wright of Middletown, Connecticut, the one that gives us those theories. Question of the month is what monster can you best relate to? And for me, uh, Cookie Monster. Um, Godzilla. Why? What? Isn't it obvious? It's a stupid question. It really is. Uh, Ron uh, G- is this the last question of the month they ever do? <laughs> Ron Stern says Richard Nixon, which, okay, I'll give, <laughs> you, I'll give you points for that. Uh, Bob Hall says Dracula, whatever. Joe Sinnott says The Thing. Jim Novak says... Wait, which thing? <laughs> That's a good question. Does he mean like Roger Ro- John Carpenter's The Thing? Or does yeah. he mean Ben Graham? I'm not sure. Uh, Jim Novak says Frankenstein's Monster. Howard Mackey says The Invisible Man. Mark Grunewald says The Rakasha. 
which I know I don't know. That's a shape changing, um, like Animal. it's like a panther. Yeah, it's yeah. an Indian legend thing. Yeah. I believe. And Jim Shooter says, which one is the tallest? Does anyone really have a favorite <laughs> monster? <laughs> well, to be fair to him, that's a dumb question. <laughs> All right, moving on. Do you have an MVP? I chose Scarlet Witch for staying focused throughout the whole issue. Uh, I picked the Vision. You know, he's got a plan this issue, and he sticks to it. He's efficient. He gets rid of everybody on the team. He deals with Dane when he pops up unexpectedly. You go, Vision. Thanks, almost villainous guy. Useless character? Uh, Captain Marvel for being sent off on a fool's errand. I picked uh, Dane Whitman, who is captured like a chump. Well, he's not a member yet. He's always once a member, always a member, Chase. Best quote taken out of context? It fills almost the entire butt and extends down at least a mile. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's butte, not butt. <laughs> oh, you're it's the only right. thing I can find. Just look funny. Uh, Avengers level threat. No. No. Maybe the Vision, but certainly not the Blood Brothers. I'm not sure he's even a threat. He just wants to take over computers. He's move out to the woods. Uh, Final grade. I gave it a C. There are still too many dumb distractions here. Can we please just end this Vision plot already? I gave it a B just because I feel like we are actually making progress on the Vision plot already. And in fact, next episode... On our next episode, everybody wants to rule the world. And by everybody, I mean just Vision by himself. And we'll finally get this plot taken care of. Why did you have to take off your headphone to tell us that? My ear was itchy. So, no more vision plot after the next episode. You promise? Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as usual, you can get in touch with us. Our email is mail at avenginghour.com. Our Twitter and Instagram feeds are at avenginghour. We have a Facebook page, and our webpage is avenginghour.com. And hey, we haven't said this in a while, but if you have a chance, go on to iTunes or your podcast provider of choice and give us a five-star review and tell everybody you love us. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell strangers on the street. I constantly have people coming up telling me how much they love me. No, not the... No, no. Tell them... Oh, the podcast. podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's probably better. Tell them to the podcast. Makes more sense.